KJ Bryant, and it's not just me. The following program is for adult audiences only. This nigga said, hold on, this nigga said. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking lie. Recently, I just found out that driving the boat was not a sex day. I don't, I don't know. It's not just me. All right. Welcome to It's Not Just Me. I got a guest today. His name is Nino Veteran. Um, young artist, got some dope music. Um, y'all know I be signing up for all kinds of shit, right? So I signed up for this website called Wildcast. And basically it was for like podcasters to find guests and shit like that. So I sign up for this shit, you know, put a profile on there, just left it alone. I'd be signing up for shit and just leaving it alone all the time, just seeing if it's going to work or not, right? So eventually I got a couple messages, checked a couple people out, and then I got a message that was interesting about interviewing an artist for some music shit, right? Went and read the bio, started reading it, became interested. Then I went and listened to the music. I was like, all right, I'm into it. So here we are. And there he is. So um, first things first, at the beginning of your bio, it said French bread in New York City. And I was like, all right, I need to understand what that means. Yeah, 100 percent. We can get into that. Um, So basically, I'm French. I was born in Martinique, which is an island uh, in the Caribbean, specifically French West Indies. And it's a territory owned by, you know, France. Um, I was born there. I lived a couple of years there. Uh, it's very different. I mean, island life is is really different uh, compared to out here in the States. So my first language is French. And then I moved to Venezuela uh, for a couple of years where I went to school there. Uh, I did pre-K a couple of years. And then in 2005, I moved to New York City. Uh, and we were we were new to the whole scene. We didn't know how to speak English. Nobody in my family knew. Um, but, you know, the opportunities in America are unreal and the culture is different and we just wanted a lifestyle change. So we moved to New York City. First, we bounced around a couple boroughs. We first lived uh, with some relatives that we knew um, in Brooklyn. And then we moved to Queens for, I would say, about seven years. And okay. then, you know, I live in Queens for a little while. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's very different compared to Manhattan and the Bronx, but right. it's, it's really low key, which I liked. But then you know you you go to Manhattan. I went to school in Manhattan, and then right now I'm currently living in the Bronx. You know, South Bronx. Shout out to the Bronx. Um, and yeah, that's. I mean, I've spent almost we're nearing on a decade in New York City, and you know, over the years I picked up English, of course, uh, with school and everything. And yeah, that that's basically the background behind, you know, my French, my French background, but also, you know, how I found myself in the States. Cool. All right. So um, now, strange question, right? Let's just let, let, let's just let's just make believe for a second. Yeah. Let's for sure. say that somebody offers you like a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to get it, you got to live in the last video game you played for a year. Like that got to become your life, yo. Nice. Could you do that shit or not, yo? Whatever. I think I definitely could. So the last video game I played 
was the new spot uh spider-man miles morales and that okay. game is crazy i love that game i love all the spider-man games and the crazy thing is i recently just got into uh you know gaming just a little bit you know just to do some some fun stuff it happened during the pandemic you know i found myself you know when you're a creative i mean you definitely understand this you know there's a lot of pressure that comes with pushing out content you need something to do like so you don't exactly. hit burnout yeah you exactly need I mean, creatively burning out is definitely the worst thing that can happen to you. I binge watch TV shows or I'll go play 2K. You know yep. what I'm saying? I'll go play like a um, like I have a franchise, you know what I'm saying, with a team yeah. and a whole story. I'm all into it, drafting. But it's exactly. something that takes my mind off of having to make another beat, do another exactly. podcast, do another video, do another website. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel you. As a creative, it's a lot of pressure. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, you know, so I, I got into Spider-Man uh, already. You know, the Spider-Man PS4 series is crazy. Got into a little bit of 2K, just a tiny bit. Um, but, you know, just the fact of like building your own world and escaping reality is it, so needed because there's so much pressure. You always got to stay on the grind because you up and coming and you got something to prove. Right. You got to you got to sell people your 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 business, basically your brand. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's a, uh, it's a huge mental thing. So you got to take breaks. So I think to go back to your question, I definitely think I could live in the world of Sp Spider-Man Miles Morales because that would be fun. Imagine, you know, if I woke up with Spider-Man's powers, that would be crazy. I definitely um, think I could live in, in the Spider-Man Miles Morales world. That would be crazy for sure. That would be awesome. I definitely think so. All right. So um your name is that your actual name uh no so that's not my government name okay okay so how did you come up with your name yeah uh good question it actually happened end of 2019 early 2020 uh when i first started making music which was late 2016 early 2017 i went by another alias um and the thing is at that time i didn't realize exactly how important it was to brand yourself, you know, what it took to, to create a brand that people gravitate towards. So I was going by some random name um, and my government name is uh, Maxime, M-A-X-I-M-E. Um, but where the name comes from is because, you know, early on in my high school days and middle school days, you know, I used to be a short kid. I still am someone who's not super tall, um, right. sitting at around like five, seven. Um, and people used to say I always look super young. People used to say I look like a kid. Even to this day, I'm 20 years old now. Um, people say, you know, I, I look on the younger side, which, you know, sometimes is a compliment. Sometimes, you know, it's people trying to belittle you, but that's fine. Um, and I really wanted to, you know, take that, take those words that people were saying about me and kind of rebrand it and reclaim that word, you know, so in, in Spanish, uh, Nino is Nino, which means kid. Uh, I wanted to like retake that word and reclaim it and put it into my brand. And the last part of the name is veteran, which is a direct play on words with better than. So I yeah. wanted this rebrand to be me better than I was before. I don't like that because when you say it, it's like you almost say it, but you don't, you know? Exactly. Like, exactly. So it's essentially, it's, Nino better than he was before, the kid better than he used to be. And also, you know, hopefully as time goes by and I begin to establish myself even more, 
you know, people will, you know, people will say, oh, that kid is, Nino is better than, you know, all his competitors and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it was an opportunity for me to rebrand and just, you know, get better. And I'm really focused on progressing. So that's, you know, the story behind the name. All right. Now, everybody got to be able to pitch themselves um, like an elevator pitch. You got to be able to let people know, like, who you are. And you yep. got different little check boxes that you put off in that. Now, of course, as artists and creators, we don't want to say that we sound like anybody. 100%. However, the easiest way for someone to know whether or not they want to check it out is if you could tell them, well, what does it sound like? So if someone asks you that, who would you say you sound like? What would, how would you describe your sound or who and who are your biggest influences? I'm going to add yeah. that. It's the second part of the question. 100%. Uh, that's actually a great question and a great point. Uh, you know, as an artist, it's it's hard to detach yourself from comparisons. But, you know, people definitely need a point of reference before they they jump into your music. So I would say I sound like if I had to. You know, there's what this would the genre be. What would you consider? Because you're like a genre bender, kind of like yeah. I am on the production side. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, how, so what is the mix? Uh, I would say a hundred percent. It's heavily based on hip hop. And then we have, you know, fusions of a little bit of pop, a little bit of R&B and may and, you know, the sounds I'm working on right now. A little bit of classical music too, with uh, you know, a lot of my production being centered around, you know, emotive chord progressions and stuff like that. You know, things that that make you feel particularly strong, right? Um, so yeah, I would say definitely hip hop, a little bit of pop, a little bit of R and B, um, and in the future, I'm I'm working on some stuff right now, and I'm hoping that I go into the jazz lane just a little bit. Um, and that's, you know, heavily, heavily inspired. Uh, I'm heavily inspired by guys like, you know, Kendrick Lamar. He's definitely my favorite artist. Um, just the he he's a genre bending artist himself. Incredibly experimental. Um, I would say as well, you know, guys like Tyler, the creator, uh, Tupac, for sure. Um, who else? Let me think. Uh, when it comes to you know the R&B sound, I would think of guys like Pardon Next Door, Giveon, you know Brent Fiaz. Um, but yeah, definitely heavily centered around you know hip hop and you know just a lot of well written music, right? I, I put a lot of focus. I kind of seen you. I kind of seen you jump, and and you were able to go from like like for instance like on Spaceship. You were mm -hmm. able to to approach that in a certain way that was perfect for the track. It was right yeah. for the beat, the right sound, use your voice the right way, right? But yeah. then when you go to her favorite, you could hear different elements and different influences in that. And yeah. then when you hear the new single, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can hear the different approach there. So like, yeah, yo, that her favorite joint is lit. Oh yeah. That that yeah. was that, that was yeah, that joint is actually um almost a year a year and a couple months old that was when i was still going by my my older stage name um and yeah that was me just beginning to figure out what works 
with music and what doesn't. There's this, there's this period in time for me, it lasted three years where I didn't exactly know what I was doing, but I was putting content out just to see what people gravitated towards. And her favorite was one of those records where I was beginning to come into, you know, what I wanted, you know, something that was catchy, melodic. Um, but, you know, I was also writing particularly, um, particularly important stuff. But, you know, on the newer single, yeah, definitely Selling My Name, which is coming out really soon. Um, yeah, there's really a focus on just trying new things and just seeing what works. I mean, that's what you have to do nowadays because uh, you never know what could work, right? For example, my biggest single is Lifeless. It's currently sitting at 300,000 streams. And when I was about to release it, I didn't think people would gravitate towards it at all because that record is particularly vulnerable. Um, and I thought, you know, based on compared to a record like her favorite, which was much more club oriented, which was much more a feel good record. I didn't know if people would gravitate towards it at all because I had never, you know, presented myself uh, or written in that kind of a way, right? Never written a song where I was really talking about, you know, the hardships that I faced over the years, where I come from and how, you know, that has affected me now, even to this point. Um, so it was hit or miss and I accepted that. I knew that maybe people wouldn't like it, but I love this. So let me put it out to the world and see how they gravitate towards it. A month came, went by, it didn't do too great, maybe a thousand streams total, which isn't the worst, but you know, of course we aim for higher and we, we want you know, more people to gravitate towards it. And then I get an email, uh, a message, a direct message from Promoting Sounds, which is a huge YouTube channel that promotes a bunch of up and coming artists. And they were saying that they posted the song and that people were loving it. Um, it was due, they had posted it four hours ago and it was already at 15,000 views. And I was super surprised. I would have never thought that a record like that would. I mean, would. and that's one of the things, like I always tell people when I'm in the studio with them or working yep. on tracks, my listen, you, you can't always pick, you can pick your own single, but you can't always pick your biggest record. You don't know mm -hmm. what it is because it's not really up to you. It's exactly. really up to whatever they say it is. Whatever yeah. they say it is, that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Because they're the ones listening to it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let me ask you a question. What screams I'm way richer than I look? Um, like if you've seen somebody and another person wouldn't notice it, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's some really rich shit that you that you notice, but it's, like, low-key, you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it's, like, when I see the old guy with the golf hat. Oh, yeah, flops, You know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and, 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 like, the plaid checkered shorts, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I, <laughs> I was thinking of just that. Uh, you know, people who dress incredibly, in an incredibly simplistic manner. Uh, that screams, you know, wealth because they they've definitely accumulated wealth over time and they're well acquainted with it. So they don't need to buy, you know, all the jewelry, all the crazy fashion stuff. Uh, also, I was thinking, you know, people who are really giving, for example, when it comes to, you know, you see someone in New York City, poverty is a huge thing. There's a lot of homeless people around. Um, and if someone is particularly giving, whether they even give one dollar 
it just shows like the fact that they would even take the time out to just help somebody out. It shows, you know, they're selfless and they're not forcibly in need of that particular dollar or five that they give away. So I would think that also screams wealth. Something yeah. else. That's a good answer. Yeah. If someone's low key, someone is really low key out of the mix, you know, that that screams, you know, they're about their business. They they stay out of the mix because a lot of times you can, you know, you can chase that internet fame, you can chase attention, but sometimes it comes with the good and the bad. And the fact that you feel like you need it, it comes from a place of, you know, scarcity or a place of need. But whereas, you know, people who are more financially stable, uh, they're way more low key about their business. Uh, they're definitely out of the mix because they have a lot of stuff going on, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, so definitely, I would say that too. All right. So was there a time that you ever laughed when you weren't supposed to? Like, oh yeah, of definitely. course. Oh, <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, that that's one of those things, you know. Sometimes you can't control laughter. I happen to be someone who laughs when he's nervous. Right. Um, for example, during an exam, this was an AP exam, and these are national exams that they score. Um, and it was the official exam, and somebody had said a funny joke, but the professor was trying to catch who said it. Uh, so we can move along with the test and maybe deduct a point or take him out of the exam room. Um, and as they were looking around, I just started laughing. I was trying to hold it in because I knew that if I started laughing or making any noise or started talking, I could get my exam taken away and then fail the exam. But yeah, that, that was, I, luckily I held it in. Luckily I held it in. But it, I just knew that the fact that I was laughing at the fact that it was a serious situation, it, it just, I didn't, I couldn't even control it. I couldn't even control it, but it just happened. And sometimes those are the funniest stories that you have, for sure. Yeah, I got set up. I got set up. I don't even remember what we were watching, but it was like some jokes, right? It was like a comedian. It was some random shit that was on. We was just in the house chilling. And everybody was laughing at the first thing that he said, right? Ha ha. Yeah. So I'm laughing with him, right? And then he says something else. Everybody's laughing. Ha ah, right? You know what I'm saying? So for me, I was just fucked up. So I was just chilling, right? Yeah. So I kept on laughing. And he got to this one joke that I guess wasn't so ha ha. So nobody else laughed. And I just was like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like, it was like one of those situations. Like, yeah. It was messed up. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like that. I remember watching a clip online. I don't know if you know this comedian, Bobby Lee. He was telling a story. And the thing is, he's a comedian. So the two people that were interviewing him were expecting to laugh at everything he was saying. And he's a, a very edgy comedian. He's more on the, you know, kind of messed up comedy and messed up joke side. And he was telling a real story. So this is a new part of the segment. And he was telling a brand new story and it was a serious story. He was saying how he was molested as a child. And of course that's not, that's not funny at all. Uh, but the thing is the two interviewers were laughing because they thought it was a joke and he took it personally, but Shit. they oh, yeah. could not oh, stop man. laughing. Yeah, that, I, I that felt was the worst time to laugh. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That was the all worst. Right, so you time produce your own music. What's your, yeah. um, what's your gear set up? Like what programs do you use? Yeah. What's your, what's your setup? So 
first, when I first started off, I had just started off with a laptop. I started off with my sister's busted up laptop that she got from a university for free, Fordham University. And she was supposed to return it, but she never ended up and they never asked for it. So she just kept it. But by that time, she was able to make enough money to get her own MacBook. Um, and she was beginning to apply for jobs. So she handed me off that laptop. It was really busted, Windows 7. It wasn't that great. But I started making music on that. And then oh, as the years came, I went to university and I still had that same busted up laptop, but I knew I couldn't really afford a brand new one. So I went to the university and I asked them, yo, is there a way for me to take out a loan to get you know, maybe a laptop or something like that? And they, they actually did me a favor. I remember the lady I was talking to, she had, she had my mom sign the form because at the time I wasn't 18 yet, I was 17. Um, and then she did me a favor. She said, I'll do you a favor. How about I give you a laptop for free that people don't want? And I thought, you know, it'd be some really crummy laptop. It was a ThinkPad. It was a Lenovo ThinkPad. And I still use it to this day. We're recording on right on it right now. I am, I am on a computer right now that I am currently renting from the college that I go to. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's the craziest thing. You know, sometimes I, I agree when people say that, you know, college sometimes is not really for creatives. But, you know, since I'm here and I got the opportunity, I'm going to maximize everything. Before COVID hit, I used to go use the big, like, MacBook, um, I mean, the yeah. Mac Pros or whatever. Yeah. And they had the IMAX, everything. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm using a Lenovo ThinkPad connected to a Focusrite interface. What um, program do you use to make beats with? FL Studio. FL Studio, yeah. Ooh, yeah. How about you? I use yeah. FL sometimes, but I use Logic as well. So like oh, I have yeah. I have a Mac, um, a MacBook um laptop. So I use Logic on there. Mm -hmm. I use FL on this um little PC that I got right here. It's a yeah. But um I'm comfortable in both. Yeah, 100 percent I actually recently started getting into Logic and Ableton. Right. And when it comes to, I'll say for Logic, when it comes to recording, it is far superior than FL. Uh, Ableton is great with sample processing. You can do so much more. Um, but FL- Ableton, yeah, he, he, yeah. he's real big into that, yeah. 100%. And FL is just absolutely goaded for drum processing and making beats. Like really, I think it's, it's really one of the best out there. I mean, there's so much in the interface that you can do. There, there, I've, I spent years on FL. And there's still so many functionalities, so many buttons. I have no idea what they do. So it's 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 crazy what you know FL is capable of, and how you can do so much in such a small such a small DAW. All right. Well, Zoom is only going to let me record, but so long. So. Let's talk about the new single that you got coming out. Um, Sully My Name. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I read the title, I was like, okay, I see where you're going. You know what I'm saying? 100%. All right, yeah, so um, tell them about that. Yeah, so that record came about, you know, end of November, early December. Um, and right before that record, I had dropped Break Free, which did really well. Um, people loved that record. And the thing was, I was experiencing a little bit of a creative, uh, creative block. 
Um, so I was having difficulty stringing together ideas in a cohesive manner. So I was playing around. I had trouble finding a beat I really liked. And I remember another creative that I really mess with. Uh, his name is Carter. Shout out to Carter. He had told me when when you're faced with times of creative block and you're creatively burnt out, uh, just go into the session uh, thinking of what's the worst thing you can make and just, you know, really not focusing on, you know, the specifics of like, you know, chord progression designing and composition and, you know, drum sequencing um, and stuff like that. But just let things flow naturally. If it doesn't work, you went in with the right intention that even if it this is the worst thing I can make, I'm not stressed about it. And I'll go back tomorrow or a couple hours later trying to make something new. So I came no, up I'm with, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I came up with the chord progression in about 20 minutes and I was playing around with different uh, VSTs to use. So I first started off with a synth, a synth. Um, then I did a piano on it, a grand piano. Um, and then I did a synth bass. Um, so I already was feeling the melody. And at that time, I started writing. I immediately started writing and I was wondering, okay, what's the record gonna be about? What is gonna be the arc for the record, right? Um, how am I gonna structure it? So again, I started, but I was immediately thinking, okay, let me go outside, take a walk and take a break from this. And actually I was going on a food run. I was about to go to Popeye's and buy something to eat. And an idea came to me and that was the hook. So the hook goes, uh, in vain of you being blood, you did it again. All these failed attempts to discredit my name with everything to lose and nothing to gain, you would still jump at any chance to sell my name. And that hook came to me immediately as I was walking. I wasn't thinking about music. I was just listening to music and walking around, enjoying the air and grabbing some food. And that's when it hit me, right? How about I make a record about, you know, how it is so hard nowadays uh, for, you know, other people to support you. And that sometimes the people you think you have closest to you have the worst intentions towards you, right? Their, their intent is to hurt you, right? Sully your name, throw dirt on your name. Um, and, you know, as I said before, the last two lines are, you know, some people who have everything to lose and nothing to gain would still jump at any chance to, you know, discredit what you've done or take away uh, any of your success or any of your credit. Um, and the record mainly talks about, you know, the main point that's been made by people who have tried to, um, you know, discredit my work or, you know, prevent me from being a creative. It's, you know, they say I'm a coward, right? The verse starts with, uh, they mistake my calm demeanor for cowardice. Um, but the thing is, when you're a creative, you've already from the gun accepted the risk that 99.9% .9 of the time you will fail. But the fact that you're able to overcome that fear and still put out content every day, uh, still accept that risk that people may not gravitate towards your work, but you still decide to work every day. Um, and everything I've done over the years, even if it's growing my fan base to this point now, which isn't huge, 
but it's certainly noticeable. And over the years, I've been tracking my progress creatively. I mean, compared to some of the work I, I was making even a year ago, compared to her favorite, which you mentioned earlier. I think, you know, the music I'm making now is leagues beyond that, but I'm still proud of that point because I decided to do what I love and take a risk that may not be rewarding in the end, but just because I took that risk, it, it goes against those claims that I am a coward, right? Uh, so that record was basically me showing the world that, you know, these people may say certain things about me, but my actions contradict those exact claims. So any attempt to sully my name is attempt is essentially going to fall short. And that's that, what it is. Yeah. And people going to be to hear that on the 22nd, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so this was a nice little conversation, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It, felt yeah. like it went good. We had a little audio, um, mess up earlier trying to um, run it through the mics but it was yeah. cool doing it straight through the um computer mics you know what i'm saying 100 yeah. yeah all right i appreciate you you having me come up here man i really support your work you know as creatives we always got to support each other and the fact that you have right. a podcast running and that you know you make music yourself as well you know it just shows you know the grind never stops and you know right. as creative i always salute that and you're making dope content i saw your other podcast as well oh, yeah the weed uh, podcast yeah, yeah, yeah dope yeah. stuff man i appreciate that <laughs> you're learning you know what i mean yeah yeah 100 i always show love and I, I appreciate you for having me on here it means the world all right so you already know what to do um this is not just me um we're gonna get back into the pod um this is nino veteran um make